0: It's the Americans with Kim Monson.
1: Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech from last Tuesday night and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal.
0: The most important story. The
1: American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump.
0: The latest in politics and world affairs.
1: It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal.
0: And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead.
1: Because ideas matter. It's the Americans.
0: Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation.
1: Let's have a conversation about some big ideas. Hey, I'm Kim Munson with the Americhicks and welcome. We've got a big show planned for you today. Uh, we'll talk about headlines in this first segment. Second segment, Senator Paul Lundin, uh will call in regarding an education um, bill that he put forth to try to get more pay to some of our teachers, and uh, that was shut down by the Democrats. So we're going to talk about that with Senator Paul Lundeen. Third and fourth segment, we will be chatting with Dr. Tom Cranowitter. Uh, we are partnering with... Uh, Tom Cranawitter and his team over at Speakeasy Speakeasy Ideas regarding our Vino and Veritas, our Federalist Papers book club. We are excited about it. It will start next Monday night, the 28th. Uh, It will run through 2019. It will be the fourth Monday. Of every month. Uh, January is actually sold out, but never fear. You can start to register for February. We would recommend that you go ahead and subscribe for the complete year, even if you miss one or two of the lectures. Uh, And if you're a year-long subscriber, uh, Dr. Cranawitter will make sure that you have a study guide so that you don't miss anything. Uh, Each of the uh, lectures will stand alone, and it is going to be awesome. We need to get our brains around what, what, what the Constitution means. The Federalist Papers makes the case for the Constitution. So it's going to be awesome. Uh, be sure and go ahead and get on the waiting list for January and sign up for February. So it will be terrific. Um, so lots going on. Uh, we are, uh, well, there. We are the AmeriChicks. I'm Kim Munson, and uh, we dissect these issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Be sure and check out our website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for our emails. We'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, and important events. We are the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. Looking at things from a conservatarian perspective. Uh, Jump in here with the funnies, though. Here we go. This gentleman said, I told my son you will marry the girl I choose. And he said no. I told him she is Bill Gates' daughter, and he said yes. So then I called, the man called Bill Gates and said, I want your daughter to marry my son, and Bill Gates said no. So the man told Bill Gates, my son is the CEO of the World Bank, and Bill Gates said okay. So the man called the president of the World Bank and asked him to make his son the CEO, and the president of the World Bank said no, and the man said my son is Bill Gates' son-in-law. And the World Bank guy said, okay, my friends, that is how politics works. (laughs) So yesterday was MLK Day. I went down and walked in the MLK parade with my friend Casper Stockham and Donald Murphy. And it was a beautiful Colorado day. And it was really a, a great, great time to be out. It was just gorgeous. Uh, interesting there was not a lot of anti-Donald Trump signs that I saw there were a few but I think it's very telling there had been a recent NPR poll with some of the other folks that said that Donald Trump on the Hispanic side is reaching close to 50% approval rate I think that there is an underlying support for Donald Trump that, uh, that I, we, we need to make sure that we, we pay attention to because um, the fact that he is getting unemployment down for women, for blacks, for Hispanics, I think is starting to resonate. But a couple of things. First of all, I want to give a shout out to Johnny. Johnny, it was really nice to meet you yesterday and it was great to get to walk with you in the MLK parade. Uh, Johnny is, is black and he's he's blind and he was there walking uh, and I thought that that was pretty awesome. So Johnny, thank you for listening. You said you listen every morning at six o'clock and it was just really an honor to get to meet you and to walk with you yesterday in the, the MLK parade. So thank you so much. Uh, Steve, something funny happened afterwards, went over to see all the different booths and exhibitors uh, that were there and uh, walked by the, I think it was the Young Socialists of America. Oh, boy. (laughs) Mm. They had all these different books out about all the different tribal things and socialism. I mean, you put in the descriptor. And so I thought, oh, those books kind of look interesting. Maybe I should get one. I said, hey, are these books for free? And the young socialists replied, "No, we have to cover our costs, which I thought was just amazing, so another thing on a on a more serious note, you know the
0: truth always comes back and gets them right where they live
1: yeah. uh, that's for sure, so free stuff, not so much so but uh, did you see this, Steve uh, representative Perry Buck?" And Senator Vicki Marble had introduced some legislation that they wanted to honor MLK Jr. And they were told by the Black Caucus here in Colorado that they could not do that because they are white. Uh, I find that absolutely astounding. Uh, and I think Dr. King would be turning over in his grave on this one.
0: Hijacked is the word I would... Be- That best describes that, and you know, not to take away your thunder here. You know, I get here fairly early. There's lots of chores to do to get ready uh, for the six o'clock hour, and so I'm listening to other programs and USA Radio News. I have heard sound bites today from Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, Chuck Schumer, Al Sharpton, Uh, (laughs) our newest hero, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, used the occasion to totally. Jump the tracks or jump the rails on Martin Luther King Day. My point is, how many people have hijacked the, the significance of yesterday for their own means, And I think these people are doing the same thing. The ex- you,
1: you mean the folks that are saying that Representative Buck and Senator Marble cannot introduce legislation? Well, actually, you
0: know, taking mm-hmm. the, the, the significance of the day and what Martin Luther King stood for and totally again, jump the rails. Uh, he would, like you said, he's rolling over in his grave. But you know, and that's just astounding that they they're building such a wall.
1: Right. Well, and you know, the, there's real danger in this, Steve, because if in fact you start to look at people as groups instead of as individuals, and I, I think ultimately, Dr. King said, you know, I dream of a time when my little children will be not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. Yes. And character is a very individual thing. But if, in fact, and this is what you see from the progressive, activist, radical left, is they are really trying to push people into groups and then working to marginalize that group, which we saw that regarding these young Catholic students ...from Covington High School that were at the March for Life in Washington, D.C., and they happened to have Make America Great hats on. And uh, there was a video that, that really was was doctored, if you will, to try to make these kids... These are 15-year-old kids, i mean but they were 15-year-old Caucasian straight boys, and they are in the radical progressive left. They are at the bottom of the barrel... But interestingly enough, in this day and age, there's people that get the complete video. And so this narrative was put out that these kids were actually, uh, I think, trying to instigate something, when in essence it was the other way around. And there were black activists. I don't know if you saw what they were saying to these young kids, but it was absolutely astounding. So this 15-year-old kid, to have the wherewithal to just stand there and not do anything while he was being attacked. And then this, this other guy was uh, actually drumming right in his face. I think that we have to take heart that these are some of the young men that we have. And uh, I, I'm really troubled by this um, movement to try to put people into groups. Because if you look at people as groups, it doesn't take you long to get to a point where... Where what we saw in Nazi Germany, you look at a group, and you say that 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 you marginalize them, and then you can attack them. And so we're at a really dangerous time in America right now, Steve.
0: Absolutely, and you know the the former occupant of the White House. Uh, there are, I don't know, a half dozen key points made about his eight years there, and and they're all negative. And one of one of them, one of the top ones, is his ability to divide.
1: He was very good at that. Uh, people are—that is one of the things that comes in on our our website. People can vote on our little survey that we have. They're concerned about the divisiveness in America, and I think so many people, when Obama was elected, they thought, you know, this is this is really historic. I mean, to go from a country where, you know, we had slaves to where we now have a black president—I mean, that's. That's something to behold, and I think a lot of people had a lot of hope, but instead of bringing us together, what he did is he used his office to divide us, and um, we're, we're reaping what he has sown here. I, I think we can, I think we can work through this, but certainly we can't when we have Colorado state legislators who will not let two white legislators introduce resolutions honoring MLK Jr., because they are white. It's absolutely astounding to me.
0: And thus or mimicking what they see at the next level of government, the the undisputable theme in all those sound bites that I heard from that list of people was how divisive and what and how the racist in the White House. But it seemed to be like they were all following the same
1: script. I think they are following the, the complete script, but the gentleman in the White House has put in place an economy that in fact is raising all boats. Yes. When we look at, I mean, you have an economy that is colorblind because black unemployment is down, Hispanic unemployment is down, uh, women's unemployment is down. And he's not looking at this saying, I only want an economy for one segment of the population. He wants that for every American. And all these people, they're all jumping in for president now. They do not want to have a booming economy. Because if you have people that are out there thriving and prospering, then you can't introduce public programs that people have to be dependent on, which means they have to be dependent on these, these leaders. So we are in the fight of our life right now, Steve.
0: It's coming at us from every direction, uh, but what you just said in terms of the fight of our lives, that, that message is being proclaimed as well, and it's just a matter of getting the attention of the electorate at large. You know, I, I still think half the electorate is totally asleep at the switch, uh, uncaring, uh, too busy being entertained, too busy consuming, and, and life is good. So you know, what do I need to know about what's going on in the world? Eh.
1: Right. And uh, we do need to know what's going on, because underlying, I think you're right, people say, hey, life's pretty good here. But underlying, there's ideas that we need to be talking about, because if we don't take care of these ideas that have given us all this prosperity, the ability to not pay attention, then ultimately, uh, we will lose that right.
0: You may not be in high school anymore, you may not be in college anymore, but you still have homework as a citizen. And that's just to stay informed. That's right. And I, I just run into way too many people who are who are not informed. They can't make an argument for much of anything.
1: Well, and you know, and speaking of that one thing from yesterday, if you listened, we talked about tonight, there's this big meeting down at uh, the, uh, I got to get this number for you, uh, down at the Boulder Valley School District regarding whether or not St. Classical Academies will be approved. And so your homework for today... This is you need to email bvs.board at bvsd.org. That's Boulder Valley at Boulder Valley School District.org. So bvs.board at bvsd.org and let them know that you support options for parents in their children's education. And uh, be sure and and do that today. Everybody needs to do one thing. So, hey, we are going to go to break. Before we do that, uh, the Super Bowl is set, although there seems to be some controversy on a call regarding the, um, the um, uh, Saints. But right now it's the L.A. Rams, the Rams facing off against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. The question is, where will you watch the big game? Well, Hooters, of course. Hooters is your game day headquarters. You can watch the big game at Hooters with special starting at $10 for a draft and 10 bonus wings. Uh, If you come into Hooters during the big game, you can enter to win a brand-new 55-inch HDR TV. And did you know, Steve, Hooters wings can fly. In fact, I had some girls over last night, had them delivered, and they were delicious. They were the new smoked wings that are half the calories. So order your Hooters to go or have them delivered right to your front door. More information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. And let them know that you know the Americhicks. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Senator Paul Lundin regarding Uh, Some legislation that he proposed to try to get some more paid to the teachers and the Democrats said no. So we'll be right back.
2: All Americhicks sponsors are an
3: exclusive partnership with the Americhicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you'd like to support the work of the Americhicks and grow your
2: business, contact them at Americhicks.com.
4: You want to succeed? So you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And now, Kim is helping guys, too, with well-priced, made-to-measure shirts, pants, and jackets that fit a busy guy's lifestyle. Guys or gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email kim at americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at americhicks.com.
1: Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out our website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for our emails. We'll keep you apprised of all the stuff that's coming down the pike here. And we are the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. I want to jump in here with Senator Paul uh, Got I saw him yesterday at the MLK Parade. And we talked. A lot. I said, "What's going on down at this, the the state house?" And he had introduced some legislation to try to get some more pay over to the teachers. So, Senator Paul undine welcome to the Americhicks.
3: Good morning, Cam. It's great to be with you. What I tell you, what a day! The difference a day makes in terms of weather. <laughs> it was so beautiful yesterday at the Marade and it's. Uh, um, I have not been outside yet, but I've looked outside, and it does not look nice.
1: Uh, trust me. Uh, I drove over to the station, and it is a morning to take your time. That's for sure. So <laughs> stay safe. But, uh, Senator Lundeen, education is one of the things that has always been near and dear to your heart. I know you care a lot about our kids. You care a lot about our teachers. And you said that you had introduced some legislation to try to get some more pay over to teachers. What happened? And what was it?
3: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Education is so very important to me, and I approach this uh, kind of as a policy wonk. I've spent eight years uh, working on education issues, four years on the State Board of Education, two years as a member, two years as chair, and uh, four years in the House as a member of the House Education Committee. Now I'm over in the Senate on the Senate Education Committee. But it goes beyond that for me. I'm the grandson of a professional educator, the son of a professional educator. My wife was a professional educator, now retired from that, and I have two of my children. A professional educators. So this bill got at what I describe as the, the golden triangle of public education, an enthusiastic student, an engaged parent, and now finally, to the purpose of this bill, an exceptional teacher. This bill really was designed to put $57 million into the salaries of teachers, now you think that all the teachers and the teachers union and everybody would come running with you know arms wide open, fifty seven million dollars additional into the paychecks, but that's not what happened. And and the, the sticking point, oddly enough, was the evaluation system. We've got an evaluation system that identifies forty six percent of the teachers out there as highly effective. Now I think that's pretty doggone generous. Mm-hmm any evaluation system that says, yeah, half of your workforce is great. So we used that, that settled rubric of how we identify highly effective teachers as the trigger, and of uh, any teacher that was identified by the system, keep in mind it's 46% of the population out there, um, as highly effective would get up to about a $2,000 bonus. Um, and that was our desire. $57 million additional dollars into teachers' paycheck, about $2,000 per teacher. Um, but it was opposed based on the ground that the evaluation system was imperfect. Um, and I, you know, I would acknowledge that the evaluation system's imperfect. I'm a business guy, 10 companies that I've founded over 30 years, and we evaluated our people. Was our evaluation system perfect? No, but we still incented, motivated, encouraged those doing the, what we felt was the best job and built successes for them and built successes for our companies by doing that. Um, but sadly that was rejected by uh, the Democrat on a party line vote. The Democrats killed a $57 million increase in pay to teachers.
1: Now, Senator Lundin, the I know that that has been one of the kind of the sticky points is the evaluation system. And mm-hmm. I understand it, it can be imperfect, but it, It's beyond reason to me that we would say that we do not want to give uh, teachers that have have scored well, and as you mentioned, it's almost half of the teachers out there that have, have scored well, that the Democrats would not want to give them a raise. And the underlying component here is is that you see many times that I, I feel with unions is instead of um, aspiring to excellence, to aspire to, to improve an evaluation system, to help teachers be better and better and better, we get to mediocrity. Now, my kids all went through uh, public school, and I knew when there was a great teacher – And I knew when there was a teacher that might not be bringing her A-game for whatever reason. And, um, you know, the teacher that was exceptional, I really would have loved to have had her paid for that exceptional performance because my kids learned that year. I actually had one year that was a wasted year with one of my kids um, because the teacher, I don't know what was going on for sure. She was nearing retirement, but it was almost a wasted year for all the kids in that class. And so one of the best ways to incentivize people is to say, hey, if you do well, you're going to make more money. And I'm just shocked that the Democrats on a party line vote um, put this down.
3: Right. Absolutely. And and I if if the conversation had had been only about the evaluation system sure there's things we could probably do to improve the evaluation system but that wasn't what this bill was about this bill wasn't about punishing people for not doing a great job this was simply a bill that said okay imperfect evaluation system but it identifies half of the teachers out there as highly effective let's give them a reward. Let's give them an acknowledgement. Let's honor the fact that they are doing clearly a great job and give them uh, additional money in their salary. $2,000 per teacher as a carrot, a reward, not a stick. It's not as if we're using an imperfect evaluation system to upend somebody's career. We're simply using an imperfect evaluation system to Use that to identify half of the the population of teachers out there to give them a reward. It simply, in my mind, is the first step on a really important thousand-mile journey, and that's to properly honor these classroom educators who are so important to our students, so important to our society, because... The students of today are the leaders of tomorrow and anything we can do to create a better environment environment for those students we should be doing. And that's what this bill intended to do. With technology, half half of the teachers is highly effective and reward them for doing so.
1: So this would have been a $2,000 bonus for almost half the teachers in Colorado. Is that correct?
3: Yep. Absolutely. And we had several teachers come in and speak on behalf of it. These are teachers who know exactly what you just said. They know what it's like to be in a classroom. They know that they spend time during the course of their day acknowledging and honoring and rewarding rewarding their students when their students do a great job. Wouldn't it be nice if we just turned turned around and acknowledged and honored and rewarded the teachers that are doing a great job? That would have been such a great thing. Um, It's tragic in my mind. Uh, One of the arguments that came against us was well $2000 per teacher's not enough. And and you would think since I was running a bill to offer $2000 I would have said no no 2000 is the answer. My answer of course of course it's not enough, but it's better than nothing. It's a step in the right direction. Let's honor and acknowledge those hard working classroom teachers.
1: Well wow. Boy, I'm just astounded. So, you know, interestingly Politics enough,
3: it's a crazy business. It,
1: it, yeah, and you've been there. You, you've seen it all. <laughs> and the sausage is getting made about one more minute. What's uh, more information? People want more information on this or is there anything else coming down the pike that people need to be aware of right now? Senator Lundine?
3: Um, we're going to have um, a lot of conversations down at the state capitol this year. Um, some are going to be, you know, beneficial for the people of Colorado, but we're going to have some crazy, what I would describe as, as uh, partisan moments. And this is, uh, we were describing a bill that was exactly that. This was a party line vote on something that seemed so commonsensical. Um, uh, people just need to watch. They need to uh, pay attention. Um, I, I believe in the electorate. I believe that uh, the voters have uh, created the, the political structure that they, they desire. They, they sent people that they think care about them um, to the Capitol. At the same time, they were very clear, the voters were, that they want us to guard the fiscal restraints
2: mm-hmm. uh, here in
3: the state as well. They, they, we, they were very clear in uh, voting down a number of big spending measures um, so I, I think it's going to be an interesting political year, and and I am one who listens carefully to the, the voters of Colorado and want to work for them and do things that are positive on their behalf, um, like this this bill we were just talking about, giving teachers a, a increase in salary. So it, they should the voters should keep an eye on the Capitol because it's going to be an interesting session, I think.
1: Okay, and Senator Lundine, just a question: If in fact yes, the legislation that you proposed regarding giving um, of the teachers that have been rated highly effective, a $2,000 raise. If a Democrat had actually proposed your legislation, would you have Uh, voted uh, for it?
3: Heck yes. (laughs) Um, We had a similar measure that came through about uh, four years ago, and I voted for it. And I remember in that moment, the teachers' union came and opposed, and I said, wait a minute. Um, Isn't there some circumstance under which you think a more highly effective teacher should be paid a bigger wage? And the teachers' union said no. Every teacher does exactly the same job. It deserves the same pay. And I just was gobsmacked. But yes, I, I, to me, it's common sense. It's not left or right America. It's on behalf of America. It's not left or right Colorado. It's on behalf of Colorado. It just made common sense.
1: You got it. So, Senator Paul Lundin, thank you so much. Thank you for the good work you're doing down there. And uh, we'll keep and keep a surprise at what's going on regarding education. So, uh, we gra- Tim, my pleasure. We greatly Be appreciate well. it. Okay. Thank you so much. Jason McBride, how are you doing? Presidential Wealth Management. We were just talking about exceptional people. Oh, thank you. you, And you also, you had um, an experience with somebody kind of exceptional this weekend, right?
5: Well, I thought I did. Uh, You know, I want to say first, uh, that Senator Paul Lundin you just had on, what a voice. Holy moly. We are lucky. He was made for radio. He kind of sounds like James Earl Jones oh, with a, right. a western drawl. So if they ever do a Star Wars movie about Darth Vader in the Old West, they got the guy. And they got the right. guy. Okay,
1: There's that's great. But, that's uh, for sure.
5: No, you know, you you just run into someone once in a while, and and right away you could just tell they're they're just a good guy or a good gal, and uh, you come away with a great feeling having done business with them and uh, I met a fellow named Brian Elgard in Sedalia and he has a company called Black Diamond. He does uh, driveway grading and digging and welding and just about a little bit of everything. But, you know, Kim, I just needed uh, a drain plug welded into my transmission pan and he it was just such a nice guy, you know. You could just tell he was, he was just so friendly and so helpful. And then uh, we brought it over. Oh, you can wait. And then he did a great job and he's just uh, real talkative. And then right away I needed him again because my son's uh, basketball rim got bent. And those things are hard metal, you know. So we need somebody with a hot torch to. God. Heat it up, straightened it out, and, and he did this. and uh, You know, it, it was just such a great experience, and that just doesn't happen all that often these days, it doesn't seem like. So I wanted to take a minute to mention him.
1: Well, first of all, has your son and his friends been hanging off the basketball rim? Is that what happened?
5: No, you know, we found this, uh, this awesome set on uh, Craigslist, and the rim was bent upward, so it must have blown over from the wind several times and hit the ground, and the <laughs> rim was actually bent upward.
1: Okay, okay. So, so
5: unless my kid can jump up in the air upside down <laughs> and hang upwards, uh, uh, I don't think he's like that gal from The Exorcist. Uh, although I sometimes so. I think so.
1: Okay. Well, again, hey. So now, again, this gentleman's name was Brian. Is that right? <laughs>
5: Yeah, Brian Elgard, okay. and he's down in Sedalia, uh, runs a, a business called Black Diamond. Uh, you know, his number seven two zero three two zero. 720 320 4157, so if there's just any, you know, again, paving, driveways, asphalt, digging, welding, I think he's one of those guys that could do just about a little bit of everything.
1: Okay, well, that's great to know. I love it when we run into people that are doing exceptional things in their everyday life. And, uh, you know, that's really our calling, Jason, to do the very best every day that we can. So, uh, Brian Elgard uh, with Black Diamond, that is great. And that number, again, is 720 three two oh four one five seven jason mcbride just love that thanks so much for that uh, exceptional story and we will talk to you tomorrow morning
5: sounds good bye-bye
1: okay bye when we come back we will be chatting with dr thomas cranawitter uh, many of you know him he is an expert on america's founding and the patriots the federalist papers as well as uh, Lincoln. He's written a number of books, and we're thrilled to be partnering with him and his team over at Speakeasy Ideas to bring you Vino and Veritas, which is Wine and Truth. We're doing a study of the Federalist Papers Book Club. And so we'll go to break. When we come back, we'll chat with Dr. Tom Cranwitter.
4: Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The Americhicks, Molly and Kim, recommend Predovich & Company as your financial business consultants. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for next year's tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company award-winning realtor karen levine recently celebrated 30 years with re-max alliance karen levine believes in home ownership as a colorado representative to the national board of realtors karen levine works to protect private property rights choose karen levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house the ameritics know karen levine personally and cannot recommend her highly enough Call award winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303 877 7516. 303 877
1: 7516. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. And check out our website, americhicks.com. There's all kinds of great information there. Sign up for our email list. We'll keep you apprised of upcoming events, uh, our guests, and topics. And we are the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. We have on the line with us Dr. Tom Cranawitter, who I am so excited to be partnering with regarding Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth. So, Dr. Thomas Cranawitter, welcome to the Americhicks.
2: (laughs) Well, good morning, Kim. I see you made it into the studio on this cold, snowy morning.
1: I did. It took a little longer than anticipated, but it's great that most everybody's calling in because it was a little dicey out there. <laughs>
2: I believe it. I was so happy to get that text from you last night. <laughs> but we are getting ready for Vino and Veritas, right?
1: Uh, we are. I am so excited. We I, And the great news is, is that we're sold out, and the bad news is we're sold out. But we, we are recommending that people go ahead and sign up. Uh, get on the wait list and sign up for February and sign up for the complete year. Tom, this well, is going to be exciting.
2: Let, 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 let's be clear here so everyone knows who's listening. So what we're doing is we're meeting once a month. We're going to meet on the fourth Monday in the evening of every month. So there will be 12 meetings in, in the year 2019. And what we have sold out is the first meeting in January. Right. But there, okay. are, there are there are seats available for the February meeting. And what we're offering, people can either, they can buy one ticket for one event if if they just want to test it out, or if they want to make sure and have a seat for all the rest of the year, they can buy a membership. And then starting in February, they can sit through all all the meetings. And the way they can do that is they can go to, uh, we've created a page just for this event. If they go to speakeasyideas.com slash vino. this V-I-N-O, the old Latin word for wine, V-I-N-O. Uh, they can, people can learn all the information they want, and they can register right there.
1: So, Tom, one of the questions people have, they say, you know, a lot of people travel, and they're concerned they cannot make all of the vino and veritas throughout the year. But you've got a remedy for that.
2: We, well, what we're going to do is each, I mean, it's a book, you know, and, and, and let's be, be clear here why we're doing this. The Federalist Papers, It is one of those iconic classic books. It is the classic work of American constitutional political science. There's simply no other work has ever been produced uh, like that book, and many people will refer to it, or they'll, they'll hear other people make references to the Federalist Papers, and yet they've never studied it. I know people who have had the Federalist Papers on their reading list for 30 years, and you know, life is busy. They just have never gotten around to it, but they want to study that book. So that's why we're doing, uh, Vino and Veritas with a study of, of the Federalist Papers. So it's a whole book. The best way to get the most out of this would be to attend all the presentations. But if you cannot, each one is going to have a standalone component. Meaning, even if you missed, you know, some prior sessions, it's still good to show up because you're going to get something. There's going to be a lot of takeaways in each meeting that don't depend on the discussions prior to that.
1: Well, and Tom, really, I think it does make a lot of sense to try to do all 12 of the Vino and Veritas. And as you mentioned, January is the one that is currently sold out, which we're thrilled. Yep. Uh, you can get on the wait list. You can go to speakeasy ideas. You said dot,
2: dot, dot com slash. Vino,
1: V-I-N-O. Okay. Or you can go to com and there's a link which I think will get you over to that as well. Um, but right. we would suggest get on the wait list for January and go ahead and sign up for February. And we would highly recommend to go ahead and re- get your spot reserved for the complete subscription because I think that we are just about a third sold out on that. So if you want to make sure that you've got a spot, uh, you should go ahead and s- sign up for the complete year. You know, I mean it's such a wonderful thing. This this has been, you know, a little experiment. I mean, I'm the first
2: to admit this is a little unusual. Not many people put on, you know, clubs that feature a close reading and study of the federal's papers. So none of us involved here we we weren't quite sure how this would go. And the fact that the January meeting not only is it sold out, it was sold out almost a month before I know. the actual meeting and we have a waiting list. It it for me, I find this tremendously hopeful. The fact that so many citizens want to come and and study the authoritative account of the United States Constitution is just a wonderful sign for the future of our country.
1: Oh, That's great. Now, uh, uh, Tom, you had said that for a while, the Federalist Papers wasn't even really available. Tell that story quick-like. Well, in, in the year
2: 1913, which was a very bad year for constitutional government in the United States. Many bad things happened, including the 16th Amendment, the 17th Amendment. Um, A a, a president was inaugurated who openly despised the Constitution. His name was Woodrow Wilson. He he wrote an entire book explaining why the Constitution was old and irrelevant and, and immoral, and therefore we should just move beyond the Constitution. And in that same year, a Marxist professor of history. His name was Charles Beard. He wrote a book which ended up being very influential. It was titled uh, An Economic Interpretation of the Constitution. And what he did is he, he said, look, uh, the arguments in the Federalist Papers don't really matter. We now have learned from Karl Marx. We Marxists, I mean, he was a Marxist. He said, we Marxists now know that economic interests drive all human actions, all human choices. So what really matters are the economic interests of the people who wrote the Constitution. So his book, literally, he goes through the, the personal finances of the 55 delegates at the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia in 1787. And he shows that many of them were you know, upper middle class. George Washington, was who was there at the Constitutional Convention, he was one of the wealthiest men in the country. And so Charles Beard concludes from that that the Constitution was written by wealthy men, therefore it was written in the interests of the wealthy, which means it is bad for the poor. And, and he said, but the problem was, for those wealthy few, they needed the many poor to vote, to ratify the Constitution. So they produced things like the Federalist Papers, to fool the, the poor people in the United States into thinking the Constitution would actually be good for them. That's how they got them to vote for it. Now, here's what's remarkable. That's the argument of that book. For an entire generation after that, very few, virtually no academics in our colleges and universities were teaching the Federalist Papers. Instead, they were teaching Charles Beard's book, An Economic Interpretation of the Constitution. So there were no classes on the Federalist Papers. Uh, uh, Hardly it, it was hard to get the Federalist Papers. Major published book publishers were not publishing the Federalist Papers anymore. In fact, I went back and tracked from 1900 to 1961. Think about this: 61 years, only three PhD dissertations were written on the subject of the Federalist Papers. All those political scientists and historians, and sociologists, whatever they were writing their dissertations on, they weren't writing about the Federalist Papers because no one was talking about them. No one taught classes in it. It was simply irrelevant.
1: Well, so that in 61 years, there were only three Ph.D. dissertations. But then it seems like we are reaping uh, what has been sown here with some of these young socialists that are getting elected to office now.
2: Well, you know, think about that. I mean, let me give you a context here. I, I was at the University of Colorado at Boulder, the Boulder campus a few years ago, and I had a lunch meeting with their political science faculty. My, my PhD is in political science, and I was speaking up there. So we went and had lunch, and I had many of their faculty sitting around me. And I asked them, I said, who, who teaches the federal papers here? And they all kind of looked at each other, and it ends up nobody teaches the Federalist Papers. In in the entire political science faculty at the University of Colorado at Boulder, nobody teaches the Federalist Papers. And so it's not surprising when you have these young Americans, especially college-educated Americans, and they hear these, these tempting, seductive ideas of socialism, and they don't have any grounding in anything else. They don't even understand what constitutional government is because they've never studied it. They've never thought about it. They didn't have professors explaining these things to them. That's what makes socialist politicians and candidates so incredibly attractive to young Americans
1: today. Aha. So, hey, Tom, we are going to go to break. When we come back, though, I'd like to chat just a little bit about the the dishonest narrative of charles beard's book regarding the economic interests of those that signed the constitution because you have to go back and many of these people were also um, involved in the revolution and signing the declaration and at great risk so there's significant dishonesty regarding charles beard's book so we're going to go to break before we do that though Uh, Chris Cantwell is a business broker and uh, maybe you worked hard, the kids don't want to continue with your business and maybe it's time to sell the business. Or maybe you've recently retired and you would like to create cash flow, have your own business, then it's time to buy a business. And Chris Cantwell is the guy to talk to. Chris Cantwell is an advocate for entrepreneurship, the voluntary exchange of value between individuals, and the rights of business owners to thrive and flourish. Uh, Chris Cantwell knows that small businesses drive the economic engine of America. So reach out to Chris Cantwell for a complimentary consultation to find out how he can help you sell your business or buy your next opportunity. His website is dot com. .com. Let him know that you know the Americhicks. We're going to go to break. We have on the line with us Dr. Tom Cranawitter uh, talking about our really great event coming up, Vino and Veritas, the study of the Federalist Papers and why it's so important. So this is Kim Munson with the Americhicks. We'll be right back.
2: Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick, accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financing options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure you are making the right financing choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the AmeriChicks. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today.
1: 303-888-2732. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out our our website, it's com. That's where we are on Facebook and Twitter as well. Uh, we have on the line with us Dr. Tom Cranawitter, who we are partnering together to bring you Vino and Veritas. It will be a study of the Federalist Papers, the fourth Monday of each month, beginning January 28th. Uh, we'll meet throughout 2019. More information, you can go to com. The link is there. Or speakeasyideas com right slash vino is that right
2: <laughs> slash vino you got it okay. and, and you know let's say a word about vino we we've, we've talked about the veritas part of that uh, of this program right? that's the old word for truth and and there's a lot of truth packed into the federal's papers what about the vino part we we have a third partner here this is the Americhicks it is Speakeasy Ideas and it's the good people at Waters Edge Winery and Bistro. And this is one of the coolest things I have discovered in the Denver area. What they do, these these people really know wine. And so they go out and they search for the best kinds of grapes, not only around the United States, but around the country, around the world. And they have the grapes imported, sent here to Denver, and then they make the wine right there. So we're going to be hanging out at that facility at Water's Edge Winery and Bistro And people can show up early. They can get a glass of wine. They have reds and whites and bubbles and all that fun stuff. And they're going to have the kitchens going to be open. They'll have a special menu for us. So if you don't get time to eat something before, that's okay. You can drink some wine, eat some food, make some new friends. And then around 6 o'clock each time uh, that we meet, we'll start talking about the Federalist Papers.
1: Well, Tom Cranawitter, you are excited about this. In fact, it's coming through on your voice. Uh, Susan just texted me, said, it's so nice to hear Tom is so excited and so thrilled.
2: <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, 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 was, I was telling my, my colleague, uh, Bethany, that I, I have taught the Federalist Papers many dozens of times in normal college classroom settings. You know, my background is in the academic world. I've taught at Claremont McKenna College and Hillsdale College and a number of other places. But I've never been so excited to teach a class on the federal as vino and veritas. It's such a wonderful thing to have ordinary citizens and and business people and, and you know, professionals in all kinds of areas of life coming together voluntarily because they want to sit down and talk about the federal papers. I'm really jazzed about it.
1: Well, and in this day and age the human interaction, I think and you mentioned it, it really is a three-way partnership between uh, you and your team at Speakeasy Ideas, the Americhicks, and Jen Hewlin over at Water's Edge Winery. The other thing I want to mention is you have a chalkboard that you are going to be so excited about there <laughs> because you like to, to really diagram what's going on there and and it, it just, it, I think it's going to be pretty fun. <laughs>
2: you know, it, this is, this okay, this is a, a nerdy little geeky <laughs> insight into my soul. So <clears throat> I love chalkboards, like old-fashioned, you know, actual chalkboards, not whiteboards, but chalkboards. And I do a lot of public speaking in different, you know, settings. And I'm always asking people, do you have some kind of big writing space that I can use? And so they'll bring out a little you know, a little pad of paper and, and hang it on a tripod and then it falls down and everything. I walked into Water's Edge and looked at the wall and I said, like, oh my goodness, they have an entire wall that they turned into a blackboard. That's perfect. That's where I'm going to stand, right by that blackboard so that I can I can diagram the Federalist Papers.
1: Yeah, it's, I, I'm really excited about it. So be sure and go to americhicks.com or speakeasyideas.com slash vino Get on the wait list for January, and uh, then go ahead and subscribe for the complete year uh, beginning in February. February, That will assure your spot. Um, So question, kind of the dishonesty. We talked in the last segment about Charles Beard's book and the economics uh, interests of the founders. And certainly, George Washington was one of the wealthiest people in America. But he continued to step up and put it all on the line. He didn't have any biological children. I mean, it's he's kind of an amazing story.
2: You know, let 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 me just focus on George Washington. The part of the story about Washington that Charles Beard did not tell. What Beard did is he showed, you know, Washington had all this savings. He owned all this property. And, 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 by the way, much of his life he owned adult slaves as well uh, that he had inherited. And, right, so he was really, he was, a, he was a wealthy man. And Beard says, he just concludes, ergo, Washington had to be looking out for the interests of wealthy people because he was a, he was a wealthy man. Here's what Beard did not say. King George III Third had a very favorable view of George Washington because George Washington had helped during the French-Indian War. He had fought on the side of the British. And, and all King George III was asking, was he, was he really a pittance in taxes, pittance, compared to what we pay today? It was It was virtually nothing. And had George Washington paid a tiny little amount in taxes, he would have lived a life of comfort and leisure, being one of the favored subjects of King George III. Instead, he leaves his home, he he leaves that glorious estate at Mount Vernon, and he leads this ragtag band of teenage boys, many of whom were unarmed, untrained, up against the greatest military power on the face of the planet at that time, the British Army and Navy. I mean... When I present the story of Washington to students, I sometimes joke and I'll say, w- was George Washington crazy? I mean, who would actually do that? Who would leave this comfortable, nice life to go engage in a bloody, right, revolutionary fight against the British Army and Navy? Well, George Washington did. He put it all on the line. For him, making sure that he could govern himself, that he could make his choices on how to use his own property – how to live his own life, that was more important. That individual freedom was more important than simply living a, a, a leisurely, comfortable life under the thumb of a king.
1: So that brings us to, we've got just about three minutes. The question I wanted to ask you, and that is, how do free people live? For,
2: in a way, it's simple. In a way, it's, it's really hard. Free people live making their own choices. They make their own choices about uh, how to conduct themselves, what kind of person they're going to be, how they're going to treat other people, what they're going to do with their own labor, their own hands, their own mind, what they're, how they're going to use their property, and they accept the consequences of their choices, whether those consequences are good or bad. Right? And so sometimes they're good. Uh, entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, will at some point make some very wise, good business decisions. And most entrepreneurs make really bad decisions. Most successful business people fail numerous times before they actually succeed. And that's part of being free. The idea that you stand up and say, I am a mature adult human being. I'm going to make my own choices. I'm going to carve out a path in life. And I'm going to accept whatever consequences flow from that. And, and the challenge of that is it's scary. It's really scary. It's much easier to stand up in the world and say, I feel like a child, and I want some adult figure to make choices for me. I want someone else to figure out what my kids should study in school. I want someone else to figure out how my business should be run and how, how I should use my property. And so we have a lot of people in the United States today who who really think of themselves as a child, and they're looking around for some adult figures, parent figures, to run their lives. And guess what? They find those types in the bureaucracies, in the regulatory agencies. The government is staffed full of alleged experts who are quite willing to come and make choices for how you are supposed to live your life. That's really the great alternative that we have today. Are we going to live as free, self-governing people? Are we going to make choices for ourselves, how to use our own money, how to raise our own kids, how to run our own businesses? Or do we want other people far away in Washington, D.C., making those choices for us?
1: Well, Tom, I think that I think that there's a groundswell that, that's happening. I, I think that we are if at the third founding of America, if you will. There was Washington and the Patriots, and there was Lincoln, who you're an expert on and the Civil War. And we are, I think, at a time where we are looking at the soul of Americans and saying, who are we? And I think that's one of the reasons why you're so excited about this Vino and Veritas, is the fact that we have busy people that are signing up. And as you mentioned, almost a month in advance, because they're hungry for this. And I think they're hungry for that personal relationship. And there's going to be friendships that come out of this Vino and Veritas.
2: Oh, absolutely! It's going to be a friend-making event. It's going to be a networking event, and it's going to play, be a place where people who—they're busy every day, right? They—they they have children, they have businesses, they have life's just busy and messy. I I get that, and what we're offering is a little moment of calm to sit down and study the background of of why those early Americans decided in favor of a constitutional government rather than some kind of monarchy, rather than some kind of rule by experts over them without their consent. And I think people are going to walk away not only with a, a deeper understanding of the Constitution, they're going to walk away with a deeper love for freedom. They're going to walk away with a deeper, a deeper wiser understanding of human nature and, and why it's actually a bad deal to rely on other experts to make choices for you, because those experts... They actually don't care that much about your interests. You know what they care about? Their own interests. And so they tend to make choices that benefit them, not benefit you. And I think all these things are going to come together in a wonderful experience while we sit and drink wine and read the, the most famous book of political science in American history.
1: Okay, so for more information, uh, that would be speakeasyideas.com slash vino, or you can go to americhicks.com. We'll see you next Monday night, Dr. Tom Cranawitter. It is going to be awesome.
2: All right. Thank you, Kim, and be safe driving home today.
1: Okay, we will do. Our quote for today, Thomas Paine in 1791 said, He that would make his own liberty secure must guard even his enemy from oppression. For if he violates this duty, he establishes a precedent that will reach to himself. So our positive thought, it's 2019. Read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, and strive for high ideals. And like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is the AmeriChicks, Kim Munson, signing off. God bless you. God bless America.